the sports stance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sports Dance. I'm your host, Greg, and I am feeling good today. I'm feeling older, I'm feeling wiser, and that might have to do a little bit with something called my birthday. That is right, it's my birthday today. Pretty excited about that. Turn dirty 30, you know, a little bit older, like I said, a little bit wiser. Hopefully that means my takes will be better. Hopefully that means what I give out to you, you'll appreciate more. I don't know. I don't know. It's my birthday, though. You know, I'm feeling good. I'm having a good time. You know, a special shout out, actually, to my son, who just turned one yesterday, Henry. Happy first birthday. That's right. We are born a day apart. So it is a busy birthday time in my household, and my wife is kind of going crazy because she's got two birthday boys. I'm not really a boy. I'm a man, so I that was a little weird. Anyway, I'm not only excited about my birthday, I'm excited that football is back. That is right, football came back last night as I was recording this, so I don't know who won. My prediction, though, if it holds true, would be the Packers, because that's who I have winning the North, if you heard in our NFC preview with Dan Dan, the football man. So I'm thinking, start off the year right, they get a win under a division rival, Bears, Packers, kicking off the 100th season of the NFL. Couldn't get better than that. But... Besides that, sorry to disappoint any Bears and Packers fans. I won't be talking about it. We do have plenty of other NFL talk. We do have baseball talk. We have a little college football. I mean, we have a a smorgasbord of everything. And included with our NFL time, we're going to be doing Paul's Pylon, a new segment that hopefully will be coming weekly. This week, we have his top 10 through 6 tailgating spots and their number one concessions. And then next week, we'll finish off with the top 5 so that'll be broken off into two parts. So that'll be coming up in just a little bit. But first, I'm going to be eating some cake. And you know who else is going to be getting fed? Zeke. Zeke Elliott finally ends his holdout and signs for a record-breaking running back deal. I mean, the man secured the bag. He's now the highest-paid running back. He is a Dallas Cowboy essentially for life. It is now a total of eight years, including his two years left on his contract, and he's getting a ridiculous amount of money guaranteed. So he got everything he asked for. Jerry caved. Jerry went to the negotiating table, played hardball for a few weeks, and then realized as week one was approaching, yeah, I got a cave. I guess it's time to give Zeke exactly what she wants, and now I'm just going to feed Zeke. Now, granted, Zeke got a huge deal, you know, $90 million extension and $50 million guaranteed. So he does not have anything to worry about going forward. But the only issue I have with this is by year four or five of this deal, I think Zeke's going to be running to the ground. Zeke, now that he is under control, he is happy as a clam, he's got his money, he can't hold out anymore. He can't refuse to play because of money. It just won't hold up at all any longer. So therefore, the Dallas has a young running back. Still, Zeke is still pretty young. He's 24. They have him until age 32. That's probably when he's going to retire because, honestly, running backs, once you hit mid-30s, you don't last too long. But Zeke going to hit that. He's going to be 32. But I think by 28, he is going to be run into the ground. 
The Cowboys, now that they have control of him, are just going to use him so much and so often that I think his body's going to take a beating. I mean, he is going to be used at least probably get 30-plus touches a game between running and receptions. Then also, he's always in there for pass blocking. He's really good at that. So I think by the end of this, yeah, I know he's got his money. He's got his guaranteed. He won't care as much as what people think. But if the guy cares about his body, he's going to care a little bit. So it'll be interesting as he approaches, you know, the end part of this contract. Year five is what I'm looking at. So that'll be his 28, 29-year-old year. That's when I'll be looking to see exactly how Zeke is holding up. Because forget about the off-field stuff. If his body can't handle the on-field stuff, they're going to be in trouble. Now, besides that, Jerry has also been doling out big contracts to his offensive linemen. He's got the big ugly signed. So, you know, you have what you need. You have your big uglies, one of the top offensive lines in the league. You have a top running back. Easily could be argued number one, number two back in the league. Now you got to worry about your top wide receiver and your top quarterback who, oh, by the way, also need to get paid. Now the crazy thing is, Jerry's giving out all this guaranteed money to these guys, linebackers, offensive linemen, running backs. Teams only get so much money that they can guarantee. Where are you going to get that money for Dak? The Caps can't take the hit. Where are you going to get the money for Amari? One of those guys is going to have to either take a discount or they're going to be leaving Dallas. My guess would be, if it's all said and done, you would see Amari leave. He'll get a bigger offer somewhere else. But if the rumors of Dak Prescott thir- turning down a $30 million a year contract at some point is true, it doesn't sound like he's taking a discount. Where are you getting the money to have Dak, Zeke, your offensive line, and you still need wide receivers because you're paying Dak to just hand the ball off to Zeke 30-plus times a game and barely throw it. Is he worth $35 million, Jerry? No, he is not. That's just facts. I mean, Dak, in my mind, is not a top 10 quarterback. He's maybe a top 15 quarterback, but overall, he's not a guy that's worth one of the highest contracts in the league. Like, I know Stafford and the Lions stink. Stafford's a better quarterback. I know Derek Carr, you know what, Best Dak is a Derek Carr. Neither is outstanding, neither is, like, terrible. Give him that type of money, but he won't take it, apparently. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds because Jerry has now backed himself into a corner that if you're one of my top guys and you hold out, you will get paid. We have seen guys hold out for their final year of the contract. Melvin Gordon's still holding out for the Chargers. Most likely, he's going to get traded at some point to a team that is desperate for a running back. But he's in the last year of his contract. Makes sense. Trent Williams, last year of this contract. These guys that are holding out are in their final year. This is their prove-it year, and they are afraid that if they get hurt, they won't get the money that they think they deserve. Zeke had two years left. The fact that he was able to get Jerry Jones with two years left on player control of a very cost-effective running back position for the team's salary right now and get another six years and $90 million plus and $50 million guaranteed is crazy. It is crazy that he was able to do this and swindle his way into the biggest running back deal ever. So it shows 
Jerry has a soft spot for his stars. Slash has a soft spot for probably trying to win. He wants another Super Bowl before, you know, the Lord comes calling. You can ask him yourself. I bet you he would say, he'd probably say it something like that. Because that that's why I said it. I just figured that's how Jerry would go after that. But he wants another Super Bowl. Dak's a good, uh, Zeke's a good start. I don't know if Dak is. We'll get into that, you know, as the year goes on, and we'll see how Dak performs. This is a really big prove-it year for him. But besides Zeke getting paid, besides Dak hopefully getting enough money to get paid, because, I mean, honestly, I would be totally fine if the Cowboys are cap-restricted and can't sign their big guys. Another big deal was reached. So Carson Wentz was signed in the offseason for a big extension, $107 million guaranteed. Well, that just got beat. By none other than the guy that was taken one pick before him in the draft, Jared Goff. That's right, Mr. Three-Point Super Bowl himself just got a nice four-year, $134 million extension with a $110 million guaranteed. Now, I'm going to sit back away from the mic so this doesn't hurt your ears. What? All right, I'm back. Makes zero sense. $110 $110 million guaranteed to Jared Goff. I don't get it. I Has anybody seen anything special? Basically, everybody says McVay is in his ear up to 15 seconds until the play is snapped. He gives them all the audibles. He gives them everything to do. Goff just has to execute. And he doesn't always do that. That's what Belichick basically said in the Super Bowl was they would show one defensive look when that 15-second mark hit and the coach is out of his ear. They'd switch it to what they really wanted to do. Then it's in Goff's hands. Guess what? Jared failed. Jared Goff did not prove he could be an elite quarterback and got elite money still. Now I get it. The quarterback is the cream of the crop when it comes to NFL positions. He's going to be the highest paid always. But my issue with this is you're paying a quarterback who has yet to prove really anything. Yes, he made it to a Super Bowl. Fantastic. He got there off a pass interference call that wasn't called against the Saints. I mean, is it Jared Goff is good, or is it the rest of the team around him that's good, and he just does enough to win? That's kind of how I see it. He does enough to win with the talent he has around him. He has some of the top. He has three great wide receivers. He has a great running back. He has a decent tight end, and he had a defense that was really good last year. Goff himself is not that special to me. I get it. He's a nice guy. He's a pretty good player. But I don't think he's worth $110 million guaranteed for what he has shown so far. Did I think Wentz was worth $107 million guaranteed? No. He's injury prone. That's a guy on a team that I like personally. I like Wentz himself, but I don't think I would have guaranteed that much money. He needs to prove he can stay healthy. He hasn't done that. Goff has to show that he can do things himself. He hasn't done that. So, another big deal. This one makes even less sense than Zeke getting paid. Completely throws the running back things all for a damn loop. Because running backs aren't supposed to get paid like that. And now who knows what will happen. But Goff got paid like a top elite quarterback. He got paid like a Rodgers should. A Breeze should. Not like a Jared Goff should, not like a Dak Prescott should, but that's where we are. 
That's what the league is coming to. The cap has to either raise or I don't know. Because quarterbacks are going to be taking up a huge chunk of these salaries. Leaving the rest of their team having to take discounts and being looked down upon and guys getting cut because there's just not enough money to go around. I mean, hate to say it, but Brady does it the right way. Granted, he has a billion-dollar wife who makes tons of money herself. Brady takes the discounts. Brady takes less money. He wants a better team around him. If you're a talented quarterback and you can still get 20 plus million, take 20 million. Take 20 million for six years every year. That's still a pretty good amount of money. You don't need $300 million to live. And if you do, well, you need to get a financial advisor. But those are the two big signings. There was a big trade. Well, trades, I should say, this weekend as well. The Texans made everybody scratch their head. When they traded Jadavion Clowney to the Seahawks and got back basically backups. But then they also traded first round picks galore to the Dolphins for Jeremy Tunsil and Kenny Stills. Now I get it. Both of them are going to help. You need a left tackle to protect Deshaun Watson. The Texans offensive line is terrible. The question is how good is Tunsil actually? People don't really, you know, you don't hear his name and think star left tackle. He's an above average left tackle, which I mean, right now for the Texans is a star left tackle. And then Kenny Stills, that's actually a pretty good pickup because when you look at it, outside of Hopkins, Fuller, Will Fuller's always hurt, and Kiki Kuti is, you know, kind of hurt as well. So having another guy that you know can go deep or you know can get catches, get open, not a bad move. Worth two first rounders? Probably not. But hey, I, it's a prove it year for Bill O'Brien. I feel like he has to show that the Texans can compete. The Texans need to win that division for him to keep his job. And I think if they make it to the wild card round, they need to get past that round to really show Bill O'Brien could be the coach of the Texans for the foreseeable future. If not, well, then I don't think Bill O'Brien's going to be there much longer. He might get another season or two, but I don't think he'd be the guy for the long haul. So that'll be interesting to see. But overall, it's opening weekend. Everybody should be, you know, super pumped. I'm super pumped. And I think this is a perfect time to start off Paul's Pylon little segment that we're going to do. So every week, I'm going to have my father-in-law, Paul, who loves talking, you know, lists, sports, stats. He's going to give the lighter side of sports. You'll hear that again in the intro. But we're doing a two-part series. We talked about the best tailgating things, best teams based off list, what their top food is, you know, a little banter here and there, and, you know, hopefully enjoy it. So here it is, pause pylon, top 10 through six best tailgating spots in the NFL. Here we go. Pause pylon. All right, that is right. It is Paul's Pylon, the first of its kind, and who knows, hopefully a regular segment for the show. Now, Paul is here to give us a little lighter fare in looking at the world of sports in general. This week, though, since it's football season, we're going to get some football stuff going on. Right, Paul? That's right, Greg. Today, we're going to talk about the lighter side of tailgating. A couple of of fun facts and uh, maybe a little bit of who's the best at tailgating. I can guarantee I know at least teams that are going to be in that top two. Well, we'll see. 
Got a couple of fun facts for you. Hit me with the fun facts, Paul. Do you know that 18% of fans that attend an NFL game actually tailgate? That's higher than I thought. Quite higher. And each fan will spend $196 on the items they bring to that tailgate. Per tailgate? Per person. Wow. That is... They must be throwing quite the parties. Well, it's funny because 63% of those people prefer eating hamburgers. That's an expensive hamburger. It is. Might be Kobe <laughs> beef. <laughs> I was going to say, that has to be some expensive beef they're getting. <laughs> Too funny. 82% of those people have two or more drinks while they tailgate. That seems light. Yeah, and I'm thinking probably 20% of the people have many, many, many drinks. Yeah, but also you got to think about the NFL prices. I mean, I'm drinking as much as I can at a tailgate before going to the stadium and have to spend 15 bucks on a Bud Light. Funny thing that you should say that. Do you know that 10% of the people that tailgate never actually make it into the game? That I do believe. I think some people just go for the event. As, as I've been to some tailgates, I see big screen TVs and reclining chairs and tents. It looks like home away from home. It's way more comfortable. And I also think some of that 10% are probably people that had... Too many beverages to yeah. get into the game. Well, I mean, we've all been guilty of that, haven't we? We've yeah, all been to college. <laughs> Do you know that in 1957, Coleman introduced the first plastic cooler? I, I did not know because I wasn't born yet. <laughs> well, who knows what kind of beer we'd be drinking, probably warm, if that had never happened. Just be like how they tailgate it for the London games. I went to a tailgate at uh, Gillette Stadium and... You said that very quietly. Are you nervous that the fans are going to revolt against you already? No, most people know, you know, I went to see the GOAT, and and it was before he had won all those rings. I don't know how he walks holding those rings on his hand. But anyway, I've never been, well, i gotta, I got to work it in because they're not really anywhere in my little yeah. uh, shtick. So if you think about it, it was probably 23 degrees out. And I drank my two beers, and I went into the stadium, and I damn near froze to death. <laughs> you had a lot of hot chocolate inside that stadium. <laughs> I did have coffee. Yeah. I did. So how about we go to the game, you tailgate, you watch the game. you got to be a diehard fan. You do. Sometimes, Usually the most diehard are the ones tailgating. And I, I think sometimes they're a little more into it than the people in the organizations. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, sometimes the players lose and they know it's their job and they're going to do better next week. Sometimes they lose and these tailgate fans go ballistic. Uh, uh, yeah, I've been to a few tailgates where they get ballistic before the game even starts because they know what's going to happen. So let's talk a little Mainly bit. Mainly Jets fans. That's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jets fans. How about football fans overall? 70% of people would rather home gate. Have a nice party at home and watch the game. Get to see the replays. Be nice and warm. I mean, you do get to watch the game in your underwear if you want to. I even wear my underwear when I'm at the game. Well, that, I mean, that's good for you. Hopefully you have a few other layers on. What do you say we do a little top ten? All right, let's get to the top ten. So I, I did a little research, and the folks at the Daily Meal and Food Network put together a little bit of information. So I just So this is le- as legit you. as it gets. This is pretty legit. Pretty legit. So first of all. Was Guy Fieri, you know, involved at all in this list? Not sure who they uh, He's the mayor of Flavortown. If you go on to Food Network, there are some crazy tailgate recipes. There are. But none as good as my ribs. No, you Paul's freaking delicious ribs are a staple. We might staple. have to do that recipe on one of these segments. We might have to do this at a tailgate. That's true. So, number 10, Mile High Stadium, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I mean, you got to imagine those people are having a pretty good time because they're already pretty high up there. You know what they're most proud of? That they're the nicest fans in the NFL. Bull. That's what they're saying. I don't believe it. You have to get there by 8 o'clock to tailgate. Because it's just not that much room. Yeah, and I it's mean, very popular. 
I mean, there might be more room now that, you know, weed is legal. You know what their most <laughs> favorite item? You're going to say it, and I know what it is. It's the bull testicles. Well, I was not going to say that. Rocky Mountain I, Oysters, that's Rocky what Rocky Mountain is. Oysters, yes. And number, the number one item that they actually sell at their concession stand is green chili nachos. Huh. You know what? I bet you I know why. Why? There was a player on that team who used to have the nickname of Stink. I forget the guy's real name. But he <laughs> makes a green, green chili product. And I bet you it's because of how he played for the Broncos for years. It would be unfortunate to go through life known as Stink and nobody He apparently had horrible... <laughs> Mark Schlereth. That's the name. He go. apparently had terrible smelling feet. <laughs> it's a, it's oh a true thing, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right, number nine. Heinz Field, Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, if you don't have Heinz Field on there, what's the point? They're known for ketchup. That goes on burgers, hot dogs. That's like a tailgate stadium. They have 20 lots open to tailgating five, five hours before the game. Well, that's done properly. You know what their number one concession item is? I really hope it's not the Pimento Pimenti Brother sandwich. It is a pierogi sandwich. That makes sense. A lot of poles there. That's exactly right. It is actually called the Polish pierogi sandwich, but I let, let you to that's, uh, rename that's, it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the pole sandwich would be better. Number eight, Soldier Field. I mean, Chicago is diehard fans. Da Bears. Da Bears. And they have one diehard fan that gives a speech before every single game. Fiesta Bob. Fiesta? Not the name I would think of the number one Bears fan. <laughs> Do you know Peyton Manning just became a super Bears fan? He did. He did on ESPN's Peyton Place. He uh, got dunked in a beer broth and came out and said Packers suck. And he is a legit Bears fan now. Well, let me ask you. What do you think the number one concession item is? For the Chicago Bears. The bratwurst. Hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I watched my SNL growing up. I watched my SNL growing up. They basically showed what was up. Number seven. Lambeau Field. I mean, yeah. Do you think the, it's cold? It's freezing. Lambeau Field. But also, you got to remember, those fans are part owners. they got to be there before the game. <laughs> it's, part, it's part of their contract. So they call the tailgate section the Tundra. That makes sense. And the number one concession item sounds bad, but I bet it's delicious. Fried cheese curds. Oh, yeah, those are delicious. You've never divulged in some cheese curds that Uh, are fried? No. They're fantastic. Tried to at a restaurant this weekend, but they just didn't have it. Yeah, they are delicious. So they believe... By the way, do you think it ruffles the bear's feathers that the Packers outbeat them for tailgating? Um, could, Could. I think it does. It's a rivalry well, I, right there. I think these fans are probably very competitive, so they, they probably stay tuned to the food just as much as they do the game. Well, you know, they're going to be the first ones up for tailgating this year. Big game Thursday night. Packers fans believe they invented tailgating I in mean, the 1920s. However. I might believe them. The Princeton-Rutgers game in 1869? Tailgating. See, that's – I thought you were going to say professional football. Well – they this prevented was, professional this was football more about badminton and hot dogs and hamburgers. Badminton's not, a great game. Not, not tailgating as you and I know it. No. Not just chugging beers. Not to be outdone. The preppies at Yale. Yep. They invented it in 1904. So this is going to be like the buffalo the wings and who invented the buffalo wing. So. Oh, I mean, it's right in the name. All right, how about number six, First Energy Stadium? Cleveland Browns. I mean, the Browns fans... Despite the fact that they were terrible for years and years, 
and years. And they finally actually might be good this year, but, you know, injuries will probably take place just because God can't let the Browns win. That doesn't surprise me. They have super fans. Well, they, they come do out have super big. fans, and they get a lot to do at tailgating because they have a lot of time on their hands. They're not rushing in to watch their team win. So they invented beer can chicken, and they put an open can of beer inside their chicken, and they cook it out in this I really hope that chicken's dead already. I hope so, too. <laughs> that could be a whole new sport. So the city now has changed for the 2019-20 season. No open fires and no alcohol. That... That's not nice at all. That is a bad thing. So That's I'm guessing some secret lots getting placed. In my research, I'm missing a little bit of what happens at those tailgates. So I'm I, thinking. I'm thinking there might be some private parties inside of some party buses. Maybe get put in. Number one concession item: a Polish boy sausage sandwich. Whatever that is, that sounds really good. It sounds greasy, and I did see a picture of it, and picture of the Polish sausage and French fries and grease and cheese in a roll. I mean, you had me a Polish sausage. Heart attack on a roll. Yeah. All right, so that was the first Paul's Pylon. And hopefully you enjoyed it. Let us know if you think your team will be in the top five or who you think will be in the top five for tailgates. Catch more of it next week when we have another week of Paul's Pylon. And right now we'll take a quick break to hear from my bookie, who if you enjoy gambling, which, I mean, who doesn't, especially on sports, especially when the NFL is back in season, you're going to want to check out my bookie. So here it is. Ever want to make a wager but don't know where? Go to my bookie. Use promo code 12OUNSPORTS to get 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Listen to all our gambling shows, then put that knowledge to practice on my bookie. Make sure to use the promo code 12OUNSPORTS to get the bonus. You can find their banners and links to, on every page of our website at www.12OUNSPORTSRADIO.COM or go to mybookie.ag. All right, don't forget to check out mybookie. That is right. So, continuing with the NFL, last things we're going to talk about are, instead of going through every single game, trying to figure out what the predictions are going to be, I'm going to give you three games. Every week, I'm going to give you three. One is a must-watch. One is an upset watch. And one, you can lock it in as a surefire winner to cover the spread and everything. That's going to be my one gambling pick. Because, I mean, come on. How do you have a sports show and not do a little bit of gambling picks? Especially against the spread. So, I'll start with my must-watch of the week. Must-watch game this week, week one of the NFL, has to be Sunday night in Foxborough. There is no way anybody can say that the Pittsburgh Steelers going into New England and in Foxborough against the Patriots, opening up with the defending champion banner getting dropped, all these different things is not going to be the must-watch. No A.B., no more Bell. The Steelers have a new, completely different look for their offense. They don't have two of their biggest stars from the past few years. They didn't have Bell last year, obviously, but with no A.B., it's a whole new squad. Can Juju step up and be that number one guy? Can James Conner continue where he left off last year before getting hurt? A lot of answers, you know, need to be... A lot of questions, not a lot of answers. A lot of questions need to be answered. You know, how's that Pittsburgh's defense going to hold up? Will New England, you know, start off slow like they tend to every single year? It's a big game to start off with. So who knows? But that's my must-watch. Tom Brady coming back for his bajillionth season. He's going to play until he's 95. Big Ben, can he still do it without those big weapons? Does he have new big weapons? 
If you're not tuning in, are you really a football fan? No, but that's why it's the must-watch for this week. Now, my upset watch is, you know, teams coming in one with high expectations, facing a team they should win, and I can see it completely going against them. You know, I was stuck between two teams, two games. I was looking at the Titans and the Browns or the Colts and the Chargers. And you know what? I'm going to go with the Colts beating the Chargers in Los Angeles. I almost said San Diego again because, well, I'm still not used to it, people. It still not feel, doesn't feel right to say Los Angeles. Anyway, I didn't go with the Browns over the Titans because I still think the Browns are going to win. They have big expectations. I know. Odell Beckham Jr. has a hip injury. He's going to play through it. I'm going with the Colts over the Chargers. First off, Andrew Luck retired. We all know this. That completely gave everybody in the NFL and in all of NFL world fan bases, everything, complete lack of confidence in the Colts and their ability to win. They're going against a Chargers team who is very talented. But they've lost, you know, a key safety in Derwin James. They, you know, did big, win big games last year. They were 12-5 and five or 12-4. and four. You know, they were a good team. But again, they're still playing in a soccer stadium. They're still half the time being outnumbered fan-wise. I think Jacoby Brissett goes in there with the Colts, who still have a very good defense, still have a lot of offensive weapons, and pull it out. That's what I think. I mean, right now, you have San Diego is favored in that game, six and a half points, so basically a touchdown. They're supposed to win by just under a touchdown, so, you know, we'll see. I think the Colts win. I think Brissett does just enough. I think Marlon Mack has a big game. So that's why that's my upset watch of the week. My lock it in game where you can put money on this because there's no way this isn't going to happen. And it might sound like a homer pick right off the bat because I am an Eagles fan, but they're facing the lowly Redskins or as many people say, the R words because you know, it's a little offensive, but the Eagles are a 10-point favorite. I think they definitely cover that. I see them winning this game by two touchdowns minimum. Minimum. Their defense is going to feast. Trent Williams is still not back, which just means open season for Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, that whole defensive line, and even some probably you know outside blitzes from Malcolm Jenkins. Who do the Redskins have? Darius, Darius Geis, I mean... Like Adrian Peterson, they're not a talented squad. Jordan Reed's probably going to stub his toe in the first five seconds. They're not good. The Eagles' offense, even without Wentz taking a snap this whole preseason, their offense is going to be high-flying. They should be putting up big points against a Redskins defense who isn't bad. I mean, they have Josh Norman. They have Kerrigan on the defensive line. But it's just not going to be enough. You're going against one of the top offensive lines, one of the best wide receiving cores in all of football, a decently talented backfield. And Carson Wentz, two years ago, had an MVP-type season before he tore his knee. So you can lock it in that the Eagles are going to feast and take down the Washington Redskins. Minimum two touchdowns. They're going to cover that spread. Put money on it. That's it. Put money on it. That's all I got for NFL this week. Cover a good amount, I think. We're going to move on now to college football because, well, it's back. And it's back in a big way. Now, I got to say, right off the bat, don't hate me. I'm a Notre Dame fan. But they didn't look that great. 
I mean, yeah, you know, they won. They moved up. They went from nine to eight. Still didn't look great. Still should have beat Louisville by more than what they did. They didn't cover the spread that was on the books. But overall, the top 10, you know, it makes sense. You had Auburn moving up six spots to get into the number 10 spot. You had Texas move from 10 to 9 in order to move from 9 to 8. You had Florida dropping out because, honestly, in week zero, they didn't look great. They didn't look look convincing win against Miami. And then you had Washington drop down. Utah went up. Oregon dropped down five spots to 16 after that brutal loss to Auburn. I mean, what, what an ending to that game, am I right? Knicks went from kid in the stand celebrating with Cam Newton to being the one on the field making the Cam Newton-type plays. It's awesome. But for college football, we're basically going to go through that top 10, kind of discuss the teams in the top 10 briefly, any things that we think are of note, because I'm... I like college football. I'm into college football, but I will not consider myself an expert at college football, at least not quite yet. So looking at the teams, looking at the games, you have Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, Notre Dame, Texas, and Auburn as your top 10. Now, this week we have a huge, and I mean huge game for the top 10. You have Texas and LSU squaring off. Now, Granted, loser of that's not going to be that far down. They're not going to move many spots. We already saw with Oregon, they only dropped a few spots. But that is a huge game, along with Clemson and Texas A&M. And the crazy thing is, A&M is ranked 12th, and they are a 17-point underdog to Clemson. 17 points. That, I mean, I get Clemson is great. But that's this. Put some disrespect on there, except I will tell you this. Texas A&M players. Stop saying you're gonna win. Just stop it. Shut your mouth. Shut shut your mouth. Because you know what happens when players say this, when they're going against the top dogs, the number one team, a team they only lost to by a few points the previous year, they get their doors blown off. That's what happens. Doors blown off is what's going to happen to Texas A&M if their players don't stop running their mouth. I mean, have you seen the locks coming out of Trevor Lawrence's helmet? They're the locks of a demigod. I mean, the guy has a golden arm and can just manipulate the whole field to whatever he likes. He's just that talented. So you gotta you gotta be smart. You go in silently and then you talk big after you win. You perform on the field before you say anything with your mouth. But that's probably not gonna happen. And Texas A&M is going to lose. That's what I mean. It's just that simple. But anyway, LSU, Texas, it's at Texas, which definitely gives an advantage to the Longhorns. It's going to be hard, though. I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a high scoring game, a low scoring game. It's just it's all over. And I say this because, you know, both teams had a pretty good week one. Texas won 45-14 against Louisiana Tech and LSU beat Georgia Southern convincingly 55 to three. LSU, SEC, that defense, Coach O and his Louisiana type, you know, speaking. It's going to get the gumbo fired up in the boys. So, you know, it's going to be hard. I'm going to go with LSU, though. I am saying the Longhorns get taken down in their home stadium. I think LSU, I mean, it is one of the few SEC teams that I have confidence in year in and year out. 
I don't think that conference is the most elite in all of college football. I think week one showed that, especially if Auburn didn't squeak it out against Oregon. It would have definitely been a terrible start for the SEC. But you have Alabama, LSU, Georgia, and Auburn really as only the four dominant teams in that whole conference. LSU is continuously always there. They always have a top defense. They have plenty of guys that go to the NFL. So it's going to be hard for Texas, who is finally just up and coming again this year after rising you know, back from really garbage level, back into the upper echelon of college football. I don't think they're quite there yet. I mean, they have a good team, obviously. They're in the top 10. But I think LSU squeaks it out. I think it's going to be... Kind of like the Auburn Oregon game. I think it's going to be like a 26, you know, 21 something. I think it's going to be some odd numbers. It might be a safety thrown in there. Who knows? But I still think overall LSU comes out on top. Then you have all the teams. I mean, really, everybody's waiting now till next week because I believe it's week three. When? Nope, not week three. It is week number. Four that Notre Dame and Georgia square off against each other. So everybody's going to be kind of waiting for that. But, you know, still, Texas LSU, like I said, big game. Texas A&M, Clemson. I don't really think much of the top 10 is going to shift this week. There's no games. Looking at the map, looking at everything going on, that you look at and can go, yep, here comes an upset. I mean, really, the only game you can look at with a ranked team is Stanford could fall to USC. But USC now is on their backup quarterback, so and you have Clay Helton coaching that team. Not much confidence there. But besides that, I mean, not a lot. The biggest thing for this weekend will be Texas LSU, especially because game days, game day picker, guest picker alert, will be none other than, all right, all right, all right, Matthew McConaughey. So that's like the biggest thing going for college football this week. Besides that, not too much else. You have Tennessee, who just, you know, sad, I guess. People in Knoxville, I think, are giving in their fandom after losing this past weekend. It was not a good look. And by good look, I mean it was a terrible, awful, just hang it up look. Because, well, you can't be Tennessee and be a team that claims to be one of the better ones in the SEC and then immediately drop your first week game to none other than Georgia State. Exactly. Who's Georgia State? They're like the Wildcats or Cougars or something. And they lost to them. So, no dancing on Rocky Top for them. All right. But that is college football. And before we get into Major League Baseball, we're going to take another break. And this time we're going to hear from Thrive Fantasy because if you're going to do anything for this upcoming NFL season, college football, all these different sports, you're going to do it at Thrive Fantasy. So check it out. Daily fantasy sports have taken the world by storm and Thrive Fantasy is a whole new twist. Make prop picks on only the top players in each game, no more sifting through the 12th man of a basketball roster, then sit back and enjoy the action. 12-ounce sports and Thrive Fantasy have now partnered to offer our listeners free house money to play with. Just use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS during your next deposit to receive the bonus. That's Thrive Fantasy and the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS. Now go win. 
All right, so now it's time to talk a little bit of MLB baseball. It's been a while since I've talked about it, but, you know, not much has changed. Not going to lie. Looking at the standings, you basically can say five out of the six divisions in all of MLB have been essentially locked down and are ready for playoffs. I mean, in the AL East, you have the Yankees with nobody catching them. In the Central there, you got the Minnesota Twins who have a six-game lead. You really can't see that fading away through September. And then in the West, you got the Astros. Then going over to the NL East, you have the Braves who have a pretty good lead. And you have the Dodgers who, well, they've had a lead since, you know, the third game of the season, I'm pretty sure. They're up 18 games, so pretty ridiculous. But overall, 5 out of 6, the only one that you could look at and say, not quite decided, is the Central in the National League. And that's because you have the St. Louis Cardinals, who don't know what it is about them, but every single other year, it seems, they're basically really good or really bad. It's They are one of the more up-and-down teams over the past 10 years, I would say, than most. I mean, the Cardinals were atrocious last year. And now this year, they might win the Central. I mean, it's just it's just such a Cardinal thing. Even when that one year they won the World Series when they made it in as a wild card. They are terrible. The division as a whole stunk. They may have been division winners. I don't quite remember, but they were awful. And then they go win the World Series. But that's the only one you could look at. And the reason I'm talking about this is with the Cardinals having a three-game lead over the Cubs, the Cubs had some, you know, not-so-great news hit them. Craig Kimbrell, you know, the guy they signed right after the trade deadline because he wasn't going to cost them a draft pick, hence why he hadn't been signed yet, just went on the 10-day IL with elbow injury. Hopefully, you know, it's nothing too serious. But you lose a closer who is a legitimate game-changer in that bullpen. Now, I know Kimbrough's had a few games where he's given up some big home runs. I mean, he's going to do that. When you throw that hard, if a bat makes contact in just the right way, it's getting out of there. And it's getting out quick. Christian Yelich is the first guy you look to to show that's true. He's taking Kimbrell yard twice in big moments. But overall, the Cubs signed him because they had a struggling bullpen. So the chances of them getting back into the central without a closer goes down a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens. But that's a big issue, especially going down in this part of the year. Big issue is, can guys on the top team stay healthy? The other team to look at, another injury to look at, is George Springer with the Astros. Springer's having, again, a phenomenal year. He's batting about 298 with 30 home runs and almost 80 RBIs. He is a key part of that Astros lineup. He's got the guy that's kind of leading the charge. He's first in the line, first at bat. He sets the tone for the rest of that lineup the rest of the game. So, you know, you have that, and now he might be gone. Not for long, hopefully, but he might have concussions. He definitely has symptoms, so, you know, they're being cautious with it. He ran into the wall on Tuesday. So, you know, you never quite know with concussions. They could be a quick thing. They could be a long thing. You just never know how a guy is going to react to having a concussion. Hopefully, Springer can come back quickly. If he does, I would advise the Astros because, you know, 
I know that front office has been tapping, you know, into my computer, checking my files, see what I have on them. You know, they're known to do that. But in general, been looking at that. And hey, if I'm you, Springer probably shouldn't play that much down the stretch. Rest him. Rest your big guys the closer you get to clinching. If you only have like five games to clinch, I mean, it's not rocket science. Rest some of your guys. You have three big starters. If you need to, you know, give each of them a rest. Don't get, you know, use them up, per se. Don't waste those innings. Use those innings for the postseason. You're going to be there. Who's catching you? Nobody. Oakland? Oakland would have to go on some massive win streak, and you would have to go on some massive losing streak. That is why, as a Red Sox fan, I've come to the realization that more than likely, the Red Sox season's over, especially after tonight when Rafael Devers was thrown out at home to lose the game. So, you know, I mean, you got to come to it at some point, right? You got to come to the fact that your team just doesn't have it this year. They're not going to make it. The Red Sox are six and a half games back in the wild card. They as well would have to go on some big win streak. Tampa Bay and Oakland would have to go on losing streaks. Cleveland, like these teams need to go on losing streaks for them to have a chance. And it's just not plausible. So those are the two big injury things, at least with MLB. Outside of that, the only big issues you got are when did the Yankees start resting guys? They have a 10-game lead. When is Giancarlo Stanton? What are you going to do with him in the playoffs? What are the Yankees going to do when their team is actually fully healthy? You have all these different guys who have stepped up big time. Do you take them out? Do you chance a guy that, you know, hasn't, been healthy hasn't been playing regular basis to be the guy going into the playoffs going into the postseason so it's going to be interesting to see that postseason roster because you know one or two guys are going to be left off that have contributed in a major way to the Yankees team this year so you got to be curious to know who it's going to be besides that though like I said don't have tons for MLB it's it's getting down to until playoffs roll around and matchups can be talked about, there's not a whole lot. Mike Trout continues to dominate the American League. I mean, he's hit his 45th home run. He's definitely going to eclipse 50. So the guy has just been a monster this year. Mookie Betts not looking anywhere close to what he was a year ago for AL MVP. Here's the question, though, with that. Mookie was in a contract year. This is, was a big year for him. People even thought at the trade deadline, maybe, maybe you consider trading him. Red Sox, we were going to give him a huge contract. Now you got to wonder, are teams going to even try to compete with the Red Sox after seeing Mookie have a significant drop off this year? And I don't mean like, oh my God, catastrophic, but it's a pretty good drop off from what he was doing last year. Xander Bogarts looks closer to what Mookie was last year than Mookie does. Who knows what it is, but I mean, I mean, the whole team in general, a lot of guys had big years last year, but to see Mookie from last year to this year, you got to say it's at least a slightly big difference. Like, I don't know the exact word I would use for it, but he's not where close to where he was last year. It's just that simple, at least offensively, defensively. He's always pretty good, but that's all I have for MLB. So at this point I am, as I was doing the show, as I was recording, had news come out about Antonio Brown. So we're going to hop back to football 
because let's be honest, it's that time of the year. Football time is here. If I have some time left, I will quickly talk about how disappointing the USA team men's basketball was in the FIBA World Cup against Turkey. And yes, they won that game, but still disappointing. Anyway, Antonio Brown is most likely going to be suspended, at least for a game, by the Raiders. If you haven't heard by now, he and Mike Mayock got into a little bit of a tiff. They said nothing physical happened, but you know, Antonio did diva type things and stormed out. He's really making that push for that number one diva spot. He must have heard my start bench cut. It's the only thing that makes sense, am I right? He must have heard that I think Terrell Owens was a way bigger diva than he was. So therefore, he was like, oh yeah, I'm going to show this guy. I'm going to show this guy Greg on the sports dance just how big of a diva I can be. Because nobody out divas Antonio Brown. Nobody. And he might be right. Antonio Brown might be right. He might be right about something, people. It's a... Take a second. You good? You out of your shock and all that Antonio Brown could be right. He might be the biggest diva because he is. I might be switching crowns just because between pushing his weight out of Pittsburgh, the frostbite, the helmet issues, and now this where he got fined because he missed mandatory practices. Not, you know, hey, come if you want to type. Mandatory. Mandatory means... You need to be there, even if it's a walkthrough, even if you are the cream of the crop because you rise to the top. Like, you have to show up. It doesn't matter if your name is Tom Brady or Joe Schmo. Yeah, I'm just going to go with the typical Joe Schmo. It doesn't matter what your name is. If you're mandatory practice and you miss it, you're going to get fined, especially if it's not excused, which his was not. That was made very clear. So he missed... He got fined like $40,000, which is nothing. He got guaranteed 30 plus million dollars and he's complaining about 40k. He probably spends more on that just on a whim of getting his mustache colored. Like nothing really, you know, outstanding there for money-wise. But instead of, you know, just paying the fine, apologizing to the team personally, he decided, I'm going to air my grievance on Instagram. Because social media is the best. And by the best, I mean, man, is it the worst sometimes. Because some people just don't know when to shut up. Stop talking. Don't share that. Yeah, Antonio Brown's one of those people. Oh, he shared it. He shared the fine and so the team hates him. But he's going to prove them all wrong. What are you going to prove them wrong? That you can show up to practice? Ooh, doing exactly what they want. Like... Nobody's hating on you, Antonio. You're hating just randomly, for one. You're creating these voices in your head, I'm pretty sure. But in general, all the team wants is for the guy they traded a bunch of picks for to show up, to be a part of the team, to stop making a circus out of everything. But you can't seem to handle that. So because of that, the GM called you in to talk to you about your post and about your behavior. And instead, you showed more of that behavior and apparently stormed out of the facility. Therefore, you get suspended. You know what? At this point, you're a bigger headache for the Raiders than they might think is worth it. Joe Thomas tweeted out saying, Tolerance equal, 
productivity equals tolerance. And for Antonio Brown, he might need 5,000 yards of productivity for the Raiders to be able to tolerate him. And I'm pretty sure he's right. Like, there is no way Antonio Brown is talented enough for him to be worth this hassle. Every day, your players are getting questions asked about him. Every day, your front office has to answer about him. In general, you're not going to be good enough for him to make any sort of difference for this year in the foreseeable future of your franchise. As much as you want to think this is your year because, you know, you can. It's the NFL. It could be anybody's year. But honestly, not the Raiders' year. That's just not me. That's experts. That is everybody. That is people who watched Hard Knocks. That's just everybody. It is not your year. So therefore, Antonio Brown, not worth the headache. Like, honestly, either cut bait, trade him to somebody else, or let him just go crazy. Keep doing what you're doing now. He'll eventually retire. You'll get your money back. Because that's all you can do. That's all you can do to handle crazy. And Antonio Brown has a whole lot of it. He's got a bunch. He's got bags full of crazy. I thought I knew his crazy. He's over T.O. crazy. I've been thinking about this. Big announcement. Breaking news. Antonio Brown. In my start bench cup from a few weeks ago. I got to change it. I, I just, I have to change it. There is no way. And I was around, you know, I watched T.O. I watched all the drama he created. I know he said a lot of bad things. But overall, I don't think he was ever this much of a headache in a preseason, for one. I mean, regular season, sure. Off season, probably. But just, Antonio Brown has been a pain since midway through last year. I mean, he was definitely pains at times. He was a very big diva at times. But it all started last year, halfway through the season, spiraled at the end of the season, and has just continued to get worse and worse and worse. And that's just that's plain and simple. It's just it's just not worth it. He's just not worth it. If you drafted him in fantasy, well, feel bad for you. Not that bad because I'm facing the guy in my league who has him week one. So that works for me. But overall, don't know what's going to happen, especially with this suspension. Don't know how he's going to take it, but it will be interesting to see. And I am sure we will talk about how this saga unfolds. But besides that, I guess since I have a few minutes left, don't want to cut it off too short. I'm going to talk about Team USA's game against Turkey. And just how sad and disappointing it is that Team USA men's basketball, who was the elite number one ranked team in the world, barely, in overtime, after forcing overtime, escaped Turkey. Plus, they lost Jason Tatum for at least two or three games with a sprained ankle. Can't imagine that's going to go much better if you don't want, you know, the Celtics season to go down the drain. You may not see Tatum the rest of the time. And if that's the case, you definitely don't have a chance. And not that Tatum's great, but he is another proven guy in the league that can score. Like, he is a pretty talented player. So when you're going against the best of other countries, 
Now, granted, sure, there's some countries who aren't great, but when you have to face Greece and the Greek freak and Serbia with Jokic and there's nobody on your team who's as good as him, but you need the collective grouping to be better than him plus their collective grouping, you need guys like Tatum. But what happened against Turkey was just sad. Turkey's ranked like 30th. I get we don't have our top guys, but since the... 2008 Olympics, USA men's basketball hadn't lost a game until they lost to Australia in like pre-round practicing games. And then they almost lost to Turkey in the actual tournament. Now, if you ask many, USA is an underdog. That's not shocking. When you look at their roster, with no offense to Chris Middleton and Miles Turner and Kemba Walker, guys like that, Marcus Smart, half the time those guys are fourth and fifth options outside of like Kemba and Chris Middleton. They're like a lot of fourth and fifth options on a team. So I'd be curious to see how the rest of this tournament goes. But, you know, it was it's just kind of sad. Team USA basketball is supposed to just dominate. And it doesn't look like they're going to. So until the Olympics, we won't see the stars. But, you know, I guess it'll be good to see how they end up in FIBA when you don't have your top, top talent. But... I guess that's it now. That's it. I'm done. No more sports. I'm tapped out. I'm getting ready to go hit some taps at a bar somewhere. Going to get some drinks because it's my birthday. May have had a drink while I did this. Not going to lie. But I hope everybody has a great weekend. You know, enjoy it. Celebrate. You know, technically the unofficial end of summer was last weekend. But, you know, it's still technically summer, so you can still get in that pool floaty if you're in a warmer area. You know, have some fun. Go out, hang out with friends, campfires, all that good stuff. Enjoy football. Football is back. Enjoy Thrive Fantasy. Enjoy any other fantasy site you use. Enjoy your fantasy leagues. Make sure you check your lineups. You don't want to be the guy that has Antonio Brown and you forgot to check it. Like, come on. Honestly. You don't want to be that guy. But everybody... Enjoy your weekend. I definitely know I'm going to enjoy mine. Hope you have a good one. Again, make sure to follow us on Spotify, iTunes, like, subscribe. Follow me on Twitter at SportsDance underscore. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the SportsDance. All that good stuff. And make sure you check out all the other great shows on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. You know, loved being able to put my show out there. Love the support they give to us and all of us sports podcasters and live shows. But just in general, you know, check us out. Like, subscribe. Helps everything grow. It's fantastic. Again, though, I am Greg. This has been my stance on sports. Have a good weekend, everybody. The Sports Stance.